On the 1st of September 1939, 25-year-old Malvern resident Lorna Lloyd started writing her diary of the war. This is episode 5. It is March 1940. Sunday, March 31st, 1940. Since tomorrow is April Fool's Day, this is an admirable moment for a summary. Hitler has been rumoured to be going to launch something, somewhere, somehow, that was going to change the European situation completely, but nothing has come of it. I have made an excursion for Easter to the industrial north, the most dangerous part of Britain. I remember that I thought vaguely what will happen to me if Hitler does launch an attack on Birmingham or Manchester or Bolton while I am there, and I promptly forgot all about it until I had reached home again. So much for the rantings of demagogues. Tuesday, April 9th, 1940. The much-vaunted putsch has at last begun. Germany has invaded Denmark and Norway this morning. She has systematically been terrorising the northern neutrals for some time past, witnessed the Altmark incident, and in order to counteract this and her use of the iron ore route from Narvik down the Norwegian coast, we, after giving full warning, laid a minefield in Norwegian waters on Monday, Germany declares that her invasion was a reprisal for this to protect the neutrals from us. It is as well to record in view of this preposterous statement that Narvik is 700 miles from the nearest German port, and if the Germans had started out as soon as they heard of the Allied minefield, they would have only arrived there about 12 hours after their landing. Men and transports are not conjured up in 24 hours, nor elaborate plans and landings arranged and communicated all in five minutes. Leaflets in Danish were dropped over Copenhagen. Were these printed, distributed and carried all in 12 hours? Oslo has been bombed and surrendered, and Denmark is completely occupied. But the Allied Navy has gone to the rescue. Evening Dispatch, 9th April 1940. Allies to give full aid to Norway. Denmark, all country occupied by Nazis. Norway, government leaves Oslo. Sweden, swift decision to mobilise. Within a few hours of the news today that Hitler had made a lightning invasion of Norway and Denmark, the British government announced that Britain and France have assured the Norwegian government that they have decided forthwith to extend their full aid to Norway and have intimated that they will fight the war in full association with them. The necessary naval and military steps are accordingly being taken in conjunction with the French, it was added. Wednesday, April 10th, 1940. A terrific naval and air battle raged all yesterday afternoon and has continued today. So far, two of their cruisers have been sunk and two damaged, two Bosch destroyers possibly sunk and two damaged, six supply vessels and one ammunition ship dealt with. Our losses were destroyers HMS Hunter sunk, HMS Hardy run aground and HMS Hotspur damaged but able to withdraw. Nothing else known so far. If we can keep interfering with their supplies, their expeditionary force in Norway is doomed. The Norwegian royal family has retired into the interior of the country, but is safe so far. Most competent observers agree that this step by Germany was the sheerest madness. I have no wish to appear vindictive, but my fervent prayer is that this homicidal attack may speedily prove to be her bane. 6pm, Wednesday, April 10th, 1940. Here is the news. 
British destroyers have fought a fierce and successful engagement in Narvik Fjord. At least two German cruisers have been sunk off the south coast of Norway. British aircraft have bombed German warships off Bergen. The Norwegians are fighting in the interior and the north. Thursday, April 11th, 1940. The battle for Norway continues. In fact, though we did not know it, it has been going on since Sunday. Germany's loss in ships, if she had a navy as big as ours, would be terrible. As it is, they are almost catastrophic. The number of cruisers sunk has gone up to four, and several damaged, the destroyers up to six, plus ten supply vessels, the ammunition ship, and a U-boat. The Scharnhorst has been seriously damaged by the renown, and since Sunday Germany has lost twenty aircraft off our coast and over the North Sea. There has, as yet, been no news of today's operations, but they have been terrible. Norway is now beginning to organise resistance inland. She got her gold reserve of twenty-three million pound away and has foiled a determined attempt to seize King Harkon. Churchill made a great speech in the Commons. We lost two more destroyers, the glowworm unhappily a total loss, and another of whose complement only fourteen were drowned. If only those fourteen were all we had lost. There are grave fears of an invasion of Holland and Belgium. All French leave has been stopped. The Dutch have taken the precaution of removing their royal family from Sosdyke to The Hague. Midland Daily Telegraph, 11th April 1940. How Germans planned invasion. Preparations made nearly a month before. In nation's interest not to draw a veil on naval operations. The German government has sought to make out that their invasion of Norway and Denmark was a consequence of our act in closing the Norwegian corridor with minefields. It can undoubtedly be proved that not only had their preparations been made nearly a month before, but that their actual movements of troops and ships had begun before those minefields were laid. This was the declaration made by Mr. Winston Churchill, First Lord of the Admiralty, in his Commons statement this afternoon. The Germans decided in the last week of March to send over ships northward, filled with military stores, he continued, with German soldiers concealed below decks with orders to seize various ports on the Norwegian seaboard, which they considered to have military value. The strange unnatural calm of the last few weeks, he said, was violently broken on Monday by the German invasion of Norway and Denmark. This crime had been long and elaborately prepared, and was actually set in motion in the last week of March. The Allies had been aware for some months of German merchant ships being fitted out as transports, but could not tell against which peaceful country they would be used. Norway and Denmark had drawn the unlucky numbers in this sinister lottery. The British Navy had been forced to watch an endless procession of German and neutral ships carrying contraband of all kinds to Germany. It was at last decided to interrupt this traffic and make it come into the open sea, and the minefields were laid. Dealing with what the Navy is doing, Mr. Churchill said the House would not expect him to lift the veil which should properly and discreetly cover the operations which are in progress at this moment. Saturday, April 13th. 1940. After almost two days of confused rumours caused by wishful thinking on the part of our friends and downright malice on the part of our enemies and their backers, news has come of another crushing blow to the Nazis. Narvik Fjord 
was entered by a strong force of cruisers and destroyers, led by HMS Warsvite and accompanied by the now notorious Cossack. It rather looks as though Cossack may prove to be Hitler's undoing, and seven of their destroyers were destroyed. That brings their losses up to 13, i.e. more than half their total destroyer strength. It is now also known that the ship sunk in Oslo Fjord by the Norwegian coastal batteries was not the 10,000-ton Blücher, but the Gneisenauer of 26,000 tons, which with the Scharnhorst, which has been damaged, was one of their biggest ships. To put their casualties on this mad, ill-advised venture at 5,000 would be a wholly conservative estimate. The complement of the Gneisenauer alone would be in the neighbourhood of 1,500. Our losses were three destroyers damaged. The action continues. O Lord of Adam's rude, no less of Adam's blood, remember Adam's good, when he doth die, by Adam's love which drew thee, by Adam's sin which slew thee, in Adam's cross renew me, ex favela domine. We think that paradise and Calvary, Christ's cross and Adam's knee, stood in one place. Weekly Dispatch, 14th April 1940 Great British victory at Narvik Seven German destroyers sunk. Nazi soldiers flee over the hills. A great British victory at Narvik in northern Norway was announced by the Admiralty last night in the following communique. Since the attack upon the German destroyers in Narvik on Wednesday by the second destroyer flotilla, this flotilla, with reinforcements, has been blockading the enemy in the Narvik fjord. This morning, about noon, HMS Warspite, accompanied by a strong force of destroyers using minesweeping and other appliances, advanced up the fjord to attack the German destroyers, some of them already injured, who were sheltering in the harbour, and also to engage any shore batteries which might have been erected. According to reports which have been received from the commander-in-chief, Vice Admiral Whitworth, hoisting his flag in the warspite, commanded the attack, which was extremely successful. The enemy opposition was not found to be remarkably severe. A field howitzer which had been mounted ashore was put out of action by the fire of HMS Cossack. Four German destroyers were shattered and sunk in Narvik Bay. Three others fled up the Rombach Fjord, a small inlet eight or nine miles long behind Narvik town. These were also pursued, engaged and destroyed. At the moment of issuing this communique, the Admiralty is not precisely informed as to the conditions in Narvik town. Parties of men, possibly German soldiers, have been escaping from it over the hills, and further details are awaited. Monday, April 15th, 1940. The pocket battleship Admiral Scheer has been badly damaged, possibly sunk by HM submarine Spearfish. British troops have landed in Norway, but it is not known where. Germans are still hunting viciously for King Harkon and the Crown Prince, it sounds like the best traditions of the Civil War or the French Revolution. Several more transports have been sunk. Captain Warburton G., who led the marvellous attack on Narvik Fjord and sank three destroyers, was killed in that action. Dundee Evening Telegraph, 15th April 1940. British troops in Norway. British forces have now landed at several points in Norway, states a joint communique, of the Admiralty and War Office. Tuesday, May 7th, 1940. Today, Daddy went abroad on sealed orders after having been interviewed by the War Office last Friday. 
although he said he would probably have to go, and we had sometimes accepted the idea and sometimes not. It was a horrible shock. I feel as if I should rather like to be sick, even though there is no immediate prospect of his going into danger. He's just walking out, as he did after he had said goodbye, without looking back, had a curiously unearthly air about it, as though one was up in the air looking down at it from a long way off, and as though one had no feelings. The responsibility, when one dares to think of it, is very heavy, particularly in these evil times. Wednesday, May 8th, 1940. A very busy day getting off from Gloucester and shutting up the house. The situation, since the necessary withdrawal from southern Norway, is very grave. The government appears to be about to fall. Acrimonious debates in Parliament. This is London. I spent today in the House of Commons. The debate was opened by Herbert Morrison, one of the ablest members of the Labour Party. He doubted that the government was taking the war seriously. Mr. Morrison said that the Labour Party had decided to divide the House. In other words, call for a vote. Mr. Chamberlain, white with anger, intervened in the debate and accepted the challenge. In fact, he welcomed it. He fairly spat the words. He said that he had friends in the House, and he appealed to them to support him. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lorna Lloyd's Diary of the War. Lorna Lloyd is played by Bethany Ray and the newsreader by Richard Godden. Catherine Stephen is the announcer. The War Diary was written by Lorna Lloyd. Additional radio news broadcast material was supplied by the BBC Archive, copyright BBC. Print news was sourced from the British Newspaper Archive, with thanks to the British Library and Find My Past, and from back issues of the Malvern Gazette, held at Malvern Library. The theme tune is an extract from César Franck's Symphony in D minor, performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Richard Hickox on the 5th of September 2003, and also kindly made available by the BBC Archive. This podcast episode was brought to you by staff and students of the School of Computing at Edinburgh Napier University. It was produced by third-year students Alex Genks, David Graham, James McLaughlin, Andrash Peter and Michael Sutty, under the supervision of Ian McGregor. The podcast was directed by Bruce Ryan, with the assistance of Hazel Hall. The UK Arts and Humanities Research Council funded this work through the Creative Informatics Programme. Find out more about Lorna Lloyd and wartime in Malvern at www.malvernmuseum.co.uk and in the next episode of The Diary of the War.